podcast number one. Today we talked to Lance Wickham, who's the president of Bankruptcy Watch, a software company. And we talk about uh, a few things, being self-aware, focusing on your strengths instead of your weaknesses within business. We talk about how similar skill sets can span across various different types of businesses. And we just talk about Lance's story. He's got a pretty interesting entrepreneurial story. He's been involved in a lot of different startups, and his perspective is pretty unique. So I had a great time talking to Lance. Hopefully you guys will enjoy it too. All right, here we go. Welcome to the Hometown Founder Podcast, where we talk to entrepreneurs who are doing big things from small places. And now, your host, Kyle Rawson. All right, everybody, welcome to the podcast this week. I'm here with my friend Lance Wickham. Did I pronounce that right? Yep. Thanks Lance, for having me. Uh, thanks. Why don't you tell the two listeners what you do <laughs> and a little bit about who you are? So I am the president of Bankruptcy Watch. Uh, we build software that automates bankruptcy court record access. So it's kind of a niche market. Um, we have about 20, 25 people that, uh, that work for us, mostly on the development side. And uh, something that's unique to us, besides the fact that we're super niche, <laughs> is uh, we can read PDF documents electronically. So if somebody files a bankruptcy, we're able to look through those documents electronically and tell you things like uh, income, uh, what they intend to do with their assets, what their assets are worth, things like that. Cool. So some people might hear that and, and fall asleep mid-sentence, sure. right? like, like, oh, paperwork and all that stuff. For you, is that like exciting? You're like, oh, yeah, I can't believe we can figure out a way to like get these systems to read this. And like, is it exciting for you? Oh, absolutely. I mean, people are spending hours and hours and hours reading these documents, and we can turn that into a matter of seconds so that people don't ever have to look at them anymore. Awesome. So the, the exciting part isn't necessarily the data it's the fact that your software can save so much time and that time it's cool for you to save time for other people. Right, right. And so I, I'm on the business side. I don't do any coding or anything like that. So the things that I'm, in, I, that I'm interested in are uh, improving efficiencies and making people more money. And so that's, uh, that's where my interest lies. And, and taking a process that takes hours to do and turning it into seconds seems like a pretty good efficiency gain. So Awesome. Yeah, man. I, I think it's great. I, I love it. <laughs> So, Lance, is this your first business? Have you started businesses before in the past? I've started businesses before. Uh, nothing this uh, this technology intense. Uh, it's pretty interesting being in uh, the technology industry where things just change so quickly. Uh, trying to keep up with those changes can be daunting. Yeah. Um, so it, it's it's pretty complicated. This is the most complicated I've been involved with by far. Yeah. It, sound, it sounds incredibly sophisticated, the kind of work that that your software does. So take me back when, when you were a kid, were you an entrepreneur? Like, like t- tell me a little bit about your entrepreneurial story. Like where'd you get started in, in, in this whole thing? Sure. Sure. So when I was a kid, uh, my dad used to run programs for the local university and people would come from all over the country and take part in those programs. Things like, uh, canoeing adventures or horseback riding or, or opal mining or, or just geology education, stuff like that. And, uh, and I used to market my, make things and market my wares to these people. 
so I, I was interested. What, what kind of things would you would you make? Yeah, so I, I was interested in Indian lore as a kid, and what? so I would make things like dream catchers and That's and so cool. funky bracelets and just stuff like that, and uh, go and and sell them to these people who had just been to some Indian uh, battleground site, stuff like that, and they'd be super interested in. And I, it, my business was called Lance Craft. Oh, you had a, a name for yeah, it and everything. How, I sure old, did. how old were you? Were oh, you? I, I was probably twelve or thirteen when I started doing that, and, and uh, That's awesome. I probably did that for three or four years. Okay. Did Did you make good money doing it? Do you know? Like, I mean, were you keeping books back then? Like, so how? no, I wasn't keeping books, and uh, my parents probably bought a lot of the supplies, and so it wasn't super legit that way. But uh, I do remember going out and having to like figure out, okay. Well, if this costs me $5 to make, I can't sell it for 5 bucks. I also have to get paid for my time. You know, that, So that kind of concept started um, for me when I was pretty young. And then, uh, you know, I, just, I, I went to scout camp when I was 16 and was the trading post manager and got to see sort of the retail side of things, which mm. is super small town kind of, you know, the environment. So that was kind of fun. And, um, yeah, and then I ended up, starting my own movie screen advertising business and uh hold, hold on you went you went from selling dream catchers <laughs> to to movie screen advertising yeah how, how'd that, that work that was several years later i guess i'm just trying to think through the the businesses that i've okay you know, so, done, so, so, so there was some time between selling dream catchers and, and how old were yeah. you when you started the movie screen so advertising i was how uh, 21 22 something like that okay and just so we're clear that those are the advertisements that play before movie starts at the movie theater. Mm-hmm. Right? It used to be that movies were on 35 millimeter film, and uh, only recently have they all switched over to digital. Uh, but I would install digital projectors in theaters, and then uh, and sell advertising on those digital projectors before the movie started, and then they would turn off the projectors when the movie started. And interesting. So. so walk me through that. So would you create the videos? Would you just set up the accounts with the movie theaters and sell them? a projector that then they would use like how would that all work so no so i I would own the equipment and then um what one thing i found when i first started was i i'm not an artist i i I don't go that direction Mm -hmm. i i suck at it but the uh the the things that i was good at was the technical side the working with my hands thing and all that And, and i quickly found that Nobody wants to buy your ads unless you have good quality advertisements being played. Uh-huh. And so um, I ended up working with a guy that had another movie screen advertising company, uh, and he had the artwork part and needed more of the technical and sales end. Uh-huh. And uh, so after several months of working with him, we kind of joined up, and uh, and I did that for a number of years, sold movie screen advertising all across the country. That's cool. So how old were you when you started this? You said you were 20, 21, 22, 21. something like that. So that sounds that sounds kind of early to already know where you fall in the business world as far. Like you said you were more on the technical side and you were self-aware enough to know that you weren't really on the artist, artistic side. Mm-hmm. Do you feel like that kind of presented itself to you at an early age? Yeah, I think so. I you know, I've never really thought about it like that. I feel like I've been relatively self-aware most of my life. And so uh, when it comes to doing stuff, I'm always self-critiquing. You know, how good are you at this? How can you get better? Is this something you want to get better at? Uh, is this something you should get better at, even if you don't want to? Uh, stuff like that. And I always felt like the creative side was something that was really hard for me. I didn't really have a knack for it. Uh, but 
I knew people or could could understand that that was easy to farm out or something like that. So interesting. So the the people listening, <laughs> so the if anybody one day stumbles upon this podcast <laughs> and they are thinking about starting a business, I know I know for me and my businesses being a jack of all trades has been helpful because when you're one one man show, you have to do everything. Sure. But then at the same time, uh, focusing on things that you're not good at uh, is probably isn't a good game plan. Can you talk a little bit about how that's helped in your businesses, knowing what you are good at and focusing on those things and maybe not really focusing on the things that you're not great mm-hmm. at? Sure. Well, in today's world, I would say that uh, you should not be shy about what you're not good at. Because there are so many tools and opportunities to reach out to other people. Fiverr, Facebook, you know, uh, Upwork, uh, just these different tools are, are available so that you can find people to do things that you're not good at. And, uh, and that's fine, you know. Yeah. It's, it's okay to not be good at it. And I think the earlier you can identify the things that either you aren't good or don't have the skill set for or whatever and start working with others to bring those into your organization, um, I think the better off you're going to be because you're going to quickly take those weaknesses and turn them into strengths using other resources. Interesting. So this podcast is all about uh, starting businesses from small towns. Mm -hmm. And the traditional argument against small towns is that there's a lack of resources, lack of talent, lack of capital, whatever it is. So you mentioned a couple of tools that, that, specifically would be good for people in small towns where there aren't ample developers, for example, uh, around Rexburg, Idaho. Mm -hmm. Um, Have you used many of those tools, being a business owner in a very small town, to help you build? Absolutely. I think the number one thing that uh, I feel like has helped me is I've become proficient at the communication tools we have. So Google Hangout, GoToMeeting, WebEx, those types of things really help because then it doesn't matter where you're at. You could be in some basement or in your garage or whatever, and you have the same level of communication uh, ability as somebody in a a New York high-rise. So, yeah, the idea that your resources are limited when you're in a small town, for the most part, I think is antiquated. And, uh, you know, you look at, we're in Idaho, and a lot of people won't know that the television was invented 10 miles from us where we're sitting. That's right. And so so lots of good things can come out of small towns. And, uh, and in today's world, it really doesn't matter where you're at in a lot of ways. That's awesome. That's great advice. Thank you. So back to the story. You had so seven, eight years, it sounds like you had your, your um, uh, movie advertising screen business, right? And then did you switch to something else? I mean, obviously you're not doing that anymore. What was, right. the, what was the next thing? So yeah, that's, that's an interesting story. So we ended up meeting somebody who had a movie theater, uh, that, uh, he was essentially vacating the property. He was going out of business. And, uh, so my partner and I wrote a management proposal to manage the theater. And, uh, so we did that. We did that for two or three, maybe four years. And, uh, so what does that, what does that mean? You, so he, they were one of your clients or customers, whatever you call them. And mm -hmm. then, and then he was going out, but he needed someone to manage. So the building owners needed somebody to come in and operate the facility. 
Gotcha. And so we did that for a number of years and that, that was an interesting learning experience for me. I think we had a lot of successes. Um, and I think that we also had, uh, things that we needed to work on. Mm-hmm. Um, but, uh, and we did that for several years and, uh, um, so, so, so while you were doing that, were you also running the, the advertising business for other yeah, we had, well. I think at our peak, we had 110 or so screens that we were on. Uh, we had, uh, most most of our theaters were in small towns. Uh, we had theaters in Texas and Colorado and in, in Idaho, Utah, uh, Wyoming, Alaska, Washington, Oregon. So uh, You really were, uh, that's all over. So did you, did you end up selling that or um, are you still running it today as a side thing? Or? No, so we, uh, we ended up, basically selling it uh, in a way it was mostly letting people take over the other screens as we recognized that uh, our interests at at a certain point were elsewhere and there were huge shifts happening in the movie screen industry so um, yeah so we kind of moved away from that model and and focused uh, more on the the theater that we had locally Uh, and then once once that building changed hands uh, and we our contract ended essentially uh we we went elsewhere so huh so after the movie theater business is that when you got into bankruptcy watch no that was next was ice cream oh we, man so we, we, how far along are we in <laughs> no we're pretty close we're pretty close so, so next was ice cream so we did liquid nitrogen ice cream uh we we worked with sub-zero ice cream for a while and and did that and that was really fun uh, my partner and I, we, we had kind of a falling out. Uh, we did that in Florida, and uh, and I ended up getting a job offer in Utah uh, working for a law firm, and that's kind of how how I come to Bankruptcy Watch. It was a bankruptcy law firm, and that uh, the owner of that firm had developed some software that uh, we recognized had value outside of his firm. Gotcha. And, so, uh, so sorry not to interrupt. No, so you're good. It sounds like you had a very early entrepreneurial beginning at 12 13 selling uh Indian crafts stuff. yeah, yeah stuff. whatever it was <laughs> uh 21 you start this this business uh, of advertising on movie screens uh, then movie theaters and and then ice cream and then you got a job like a a, a, a full-blown non-entrepreneur job job mm-hmm. how, how was that transition going from being your boss your entire life to how old were you when when you got your job? Yeah, so that I was probably 28 or so. That was actually uh, quite a pivot, an adjustment for me to to recognize that I wasn't the one in charge anymore. And uh, you know, there to me there were there were good and bad things about it. One is there was a certain level of comfort that I felt because if I screwed up, it wasn't my butt on the line, you know, yeah. it was somebody else's. Mm-hmm. Um, but the other side of that is uh, I also knew what it was like to be that guy that your mess ups fell onto. Right. Hmm. And, uh, so I, I kind of quickly moved, I don't know, I don't want to call it up, but I moved in the direction of being able to, to help run that law firm for, uh, you know, a couple of years. So, so your, so your entrepreneurial experience beforehand, y- y- would you say, was a was a help or a hindrance once you got to the corporate world? Absolutely a help, absolutely mm-hmm. a help. I mean, the I was the only one at the organization that could really empathize with the owner of the law firm. 
I, I had made certain decisions before. I'd had to pivot my entire business before. You know, I, I, I had been through a lot of the things that, that the law firm, law firm was going through as well. And, at, you know, growth pains and things like that. I mean, we, all those things uh, I was experienced in. Uh, from an owner's standpoint, and so it it was, it was difficult from the sense that I had to watch it happen, and and a lot of times couldn't, you know, control the mm-hmm. the adjustments. Um, but uh, I felt like I was a pretty integral part of being able to help them grow and and uh, um, increase their efficiencies and things like that. Yeah, that makes sense. So, how long was it that from the time that you got the job to the time that you decided to venture off and and do your own thing again? We started kind of half and half where I was still working for the law firm about half my time. And then we had broken off. I'd worked a deal with the owner. And so we broke off Bankruptcy Watch as a separate entity and uh, and started that up basically from scratch. I mean, there had been several years of development that had happened. And uh, so... um, so we, we kind of had to balance, okay, how do we take these tools that have been built and have years of, of use and, and all of that, and how do, we, how do we adjust them so that they can be used in a different industry for different purposes? Um, and so that was interesting. But, but we, we were half and half, and then eventually uh, Bankruptcy Watch had grown to the point where, um, it, you know, we could shift, you know, move me out of the law firm completely and and uh, so the law firm's kind of on their own, doing their own thing now, and, and Bankruptcy Watch is going in the direction it is. So Awesome. So if, for you, it was a little bit more, uh, I don't, I don't want to say easier, but it was the transition from quitting your job to being an entrepreneur again was maybe a little bit less dramatic than quitting your job and, and going to start something brand new yeah i would say less dramatic from a, a disruption standpoint uh and more dramatic from a I, i'm ready to get this done standpoint i was oh, i was yeah. ready to move that direction yeah. again uh, just because it's it's so different uh being an employee i i have i've had jobs uh as as a kid working at hardware stores and movie theaters and things like that but uh, uh potato harvest we talked about that oh yeah um, but for, the, for those listeners out there <laughs> who understand potatoes, yes, yeah. Lance Lance <laughs> worked at my father-in-law's potato farm during potato harvest when he was a kid. Yeah, it's a small world. It's a it was well, a small town. That's <laughs> yeah. that, that, that's for darn sure. So, but yeah, it was it was a welcome change and uh, one that I had kind of sought sought for. I mean, I, I never when I got my my job offer and and started working as an employee for the first time in a long time. I, uh, I had never really anticipated staying there forever. Hmm. Uh, in my mind, I was always going to figure out some other business to, to move toward. Hmm. And it just turned out that Bankruptcy Watch, there was an opportunity there with the software, um, a desire from the other people who had built it to, to jettison it and, and grow it, um, and, uh, and then my understanding and knowledge and ability to do that. That's so. awesome. So for those that maybe have a job and are interested in entrepreneurship, would like to be an entrepreneur, um, they've got an idea, uh, maybe they've even got some traction. When do they know the right time is to make that jump from employee to entrepreneur? I think there's a few things that that come into play. One is, uh, well, the biggest one is resources. 
Do you have the financial resources to do it? Do you have the uh, the human resource connection to do it? What do you mean uh, by by that? So, well, we talked about your your strengths and your weaknesses a bit ago. Um, figuring out how to take that uh, those those weaknesses and turn them into strengths using other human I'll call it human capital. Mm. You know, other people that so building your connections and things like that. Just always. Uh, being conversational with people and understanding what they want to get out of life and things like that. I think, I think that that's important. Um, but then, you know, we can talk about the financial part of it. Um, a lot of times people think that they have to have millions of dollars in the bank before they can move over and do something like that. Uh, that's not true. I don't think, um, it might be if your goal is to build a hotel. Uh, but if you're, you know, if, if you want to just, uh, uh, do some business that you're, you're passionate about, um, and and all that i think you can you can have your your nest egg built up to where you have several months of financial stability uh some investment dollars if necessary to get your business up and running um and then uh as long as you're willing to work and you have a good plan to make it work then uh uh, you'll probably be pretty successful with it awesome so if you don't mind can you tell us a little bit more about bankruptcy watch how long have you guys been in business um and you don't have to go into like details of of your gross sales or anything but like give us an idea of the scope of where you started and, and where you are now sure sure so we just celebrated 10 years since the oh. the formation of our entity congratulations yeah. that's a big milestone that is a years. big milestone that is a big milestone a majority of that 10 years has been spent uh, doing software development hmm. uh, it took us quite a while to land our first client probably four years before we got our first client. Wow, that's a lot of R&D. Yep. And then it was, I bet, another two years or year and a half after that before we landed our second client. Oh, wow. So, so that first client then, I imagine it's a a big client. It, it, I mean, what kind of business is it? I'm not, not the client, but like, is Bankruptcy Watch the type of business where you, you can live off of having a couple of clients or do you need hundreds of clients for, for the economics to make sense? Well, we're a software as a service provider and wherein you can you can increase efficiencies by the number we can uh, it doesn't take a whole lot of clients to uh, to at least cover your your initial costs and all that um, but uh, you know we we have it took a long time to reach the point where we actually made money on each client gotcha so um, there's there's a lot of Initial costs that we went through, um, a lot of sacrifices on, you know, the part of everybody not taking any pay for, for a long time, things mm-hmm. like that. So gotcha. Okay, so sorry. So you, it took you four years to land client number one, and then some time after that for client number two. Yep. So a couple years to land client two, and then after that, uh, we we decided to okay that we had um, built uh, enough revenue stream to start doing some marketing we it was all personal connections that had made the first two sales and so after after that we just started putting some money into uh, online marketing programs like ppc um, seo just uh, we started going to conventions the industry uh, lending conventions things like that and uh, and then we started landing clients after that um, on on a much more regular clip so mm-hmm. not not once every couple of years anymore. <laughs> right, right. Yeah, awesome. we're we're not following. So that so answer. where are you guys now? I mean, in terms of clients or how, employees, sales, like how 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 big have you grown this thing? 
So we are, um, we're still a small fish, I would say, in, in the sea of the bankruptcy world. Uh, however, we're growing very, very quickly. We, uh, um, we've added several clients just this month, and uh, you know, we, we anticipate adding more and more as we go. Um, so we, we've kind of, what I think, have, we've reached critical mass so that uh, the next, I would say, six months to a year will be really telling uh, in terms of our growth. But uh, uh, it was a slow start, and uh, we're super excited about what's happened recently and what, what we have to look forward to. That's so. awesome. So one last question, and then we'll wrap this up. Um, you've got a pretty diverse entrepreneurial background. I mean, <laughs> selling crafts to movie theaters to managing to bankruptcy watch, ice cream. Like, that's a lot of different industries and, and business models to to be involved in. Mm-hmm. Have there been any constants throughout all of your businesses that you've found have have helped you to have success constants that have maybe all, the opposite of that that have led to to things not working out uh, any constants throughout those different various businesses yeah i think i think one of the the most profound uh constant thing for me has been uh your attitude uh, so when i talk to a lot of people that work for other people often they will complain about their employer and how difficult they make life and things like that you can't be that way as an entrepreneur. You have to be the one who creates great life for others. And uh, you have to have the attitude that you're the one that can control your own great life first. Hmm. And uh, what that means is you're the one who's willing to take the call at two in the morning and do whatever's necessary to make the thing work, uh, which may mean you don't get back to bed that night and you have to do it with a great attitude and you have to understand you may not get paid for that. It might be just a cost that you're avoiding, right? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, or or a cost that you're incurring as a result, right? <laughs> so um, yeah, your, your attitude and your, your willingness to work kind of no matter the cost in a way, uh, that, that to me is, is the constant thing when, uh, when you're successful. That's interesting because I've, I've heard that um, from a lot of successful entrepreneurs, that grit is kind of the one constant amongst not just industries, but amongst successful entrepreneurs. It sounds like you're adding to that cheerful grit, not just doing it, but doing it and having a good attitude about it. Yeah, own it. Yeah, yeah grit's a great word, especially for a small town. You know that yeah. <laughs> that uh, that's perfect because you, yeah, your attitude and your your determination and your work ethic are what what really make that up. Awesome. Well. Thank you so much, Lance, for letting me chat with you for a little bit. Sure. Thanks for having me. Yeah. And to all those listeners out there, you go be cheerfully grit and you'll be successful like Lance Wickham one day. (laughs) One day, bro. One day. We all just want to be like you. That's right. All right. See you guys later. See ya. Hey, guys. Thanks for listening to the podcast today. If you enjoyed this, feel free to give us a rating on iTunes and subscribe to hear more stories from entrepreneurs who are starting businesses in small towns. See you later.